Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Slaughter Podcast will be discussing some topics that listeners may find disturbing. And musical, because it's the musical episode. The musical episode of Slaughter. Sing with us, sing with us. No, it's not. We wouldn't do that to you. Sorry. Hi, guys. We are here for another episode of S apostrophe laughter. 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 Um... Thanks to all the patrons. We're just going to cut right to the chase um, and say thank you for continuing to support us because I haven't mentioned it in a while. Um, and just to let you know, there's some new content up there. We Mum will do another slaughter, some mother-daughter slaughter at some point, but we have put just some of us two together. So um, Emma did the psychopath test last time. I did. I came out of it rather well, I think. I think I did my best. And um, we're going to look at some more tests to find out why is she so fucked up then? Yeah, we need to really get this figured out. I'm pretty sure it's narcissistic personality <laughs> disorder, but... I think if we just keep going, eventually we'll get to the root of the problem. Yeah, we're going to work our way through the DM file. DSM. Yeah. So if you sign up, if you go to patreon.com forward slash slaughter the podcast and you give us $5 a month, then you get a card and stickers and to listen to the extra bonus content which is mounting up now um so i think it's a fairly good deal yeah there's a good amount of stuff on there for you to work your way through to have a listen to mm-hmm. like i say the mother daughter slaughter are just full episodes um with the added hilarity of a really confused old woman yeah, who doesn't <laughs> understand it's supposed to be funny she's not confused about murder like she knows her facts <laughs> oh yeah she's just confused about the concept about why i keep butting in <laughs> um and then it, it, we've still got some of the tote bags at $10 left as well, which I think are really cute. Because if you don't want to wear a t-shirt, a tote bag is a brilliant go-between. Yeah. Or cut some armholes in, stick it on your head, done. Make whatever you want. Yeah. Upcycle. So I'm going first today and I'm going to tell you John Martin Scripps um, is, my, is my true crime person today. And he is British. So Good. Box checked. He was born in Hertfordshire. Now we can do whatever the fuck we want from yeah. here on out. Um, so he was born in Hertfordshire in December 1959. Um, and he had a normal family. He had um, two parents and a sister. And they all moved to London when he was a child. But age 10 is when it started going wrong for him. His father committed suicide. Um, oh yeah. So I think that sort of rocked the boat just a bit. Which, I mean... We've not really talked about suicide a lot on the podcast, but mm. it is one of the leading causes of... Wait, it's the leading cause of death in managed um, 25 to 45, I think it is. Yeah. And it's incredibly common. I mean, I, I teach the kids about this, and I do say, I know a number of men who've committed suicide is incredibly common. And I think it's it's so common in men because they don't seek help. So if you are a man listening to this and you are struggling with depression or mental health... Yeah, constantly. go and speak to someone. Definitely, because there's no need. Like we constantly say, like, oh, men shouldn't show their emotions, men shouldn't cry. But if you're struggling with something, you need to talk to someone about it. Cause... Yeah, it's not unmanly in any shape or form. Scripps was dyslexic and he struggled at school. And um, back when additional support wasn't really a thing, I think they're just like, well, you're a bit thick, mate. 
Did um, they put those posters up in school where it's like, Albert Einstein was dyslexic? Probably. Because that like, helps. There's like random ones that I think in every school I've been to where they just like a poster of Albert Einstein being dyslexic. That's all the help you need. I don't mind when it's Einstein, but the worst is when it's like Ariana Grande or something like, well, she doesn't need to be able to read or write. There's like footballer <laughs> ones as well. Yeah. Like I'm dyslexic oh. and look what I've done. Nothing to do with academia in any way brilliant um so he dropped out at age 15 which i thought uh, was a, a good effort to 15 and so he's got a quite a familiar story so after school he began committing petty crimes and in and out of prison for burglary and dealing drugs but unlike our previous criminals he upped it a notch he didn't just do that in the uk he just he committed petty crimes worldwide he was a traveling criminal while you're on holiday yeah it's that thing as in like oh don't worry we'll pack light because when we get there we'll be able to get anything we need yeah literally literally still your flip-flops don't need the currency maybe you just really had a phobia of uh exchanging money yeah because it is horrid um so he would go around asia he traveled to mexico and he went to europe as well so he did this um late teens early 20s and in mexico in 1980 age 21 he met maria pilar arellanas or arianas it would be in cancun where i've been party city um and they traveled around for two years together and they actually got married traveled around for two years together oh my god they must have got on insanely well yeah a two-hour car journey (laughs) and somebody's gonna get their head through a windscreen Even if they fall asleep in the car, I'm like, when we were coming back from the podcast awards, I was like, Tom, if you fall asleep, I'm going to crash into the central reservation just to <laughs> piss you off. <laughs> I've started even getting annoyed if he's on the phone when I'm driving, which I do the other way around. They've been talking on the phone, playing. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, you're having an experience that I'm not allowed to have right now. <laughs> and like, if I'm having a shitty time, we're all having a shit time. Yeah, basically. <laughs> For two years they travelled around, but the relationship fell apart because he got put in prison for three years for burglary. And she waited and was like, well, we're married, it's fine. I'll just amuse myself for three years till you're out. But one month before his um, sentence was due to be sort of complete, he ran away while on home leave, which is, I guess, I guess a thing. home leave, that's nice. Yeah, they get leave to go home. He buggered off, then got re-caught, got another three more years. And she was like... He only had to wait a month, that's dumb. She was like, fuck this, I've waited three years, I've got to wait three more for something stupid like that. So she got a divorce then. But she married a policeman, but she continued to see Scripps when, no. he, when he had home leave. So when Scripps had another opportunity for home leave, I mean, they, they allowed him again. Um... He was really pissed off. So he stole some of her new husband's clothes, which I don't know what he was going to do with them. Dress up as him and be like, I'm your husband now. Dress up as a police officer, maybe. Maybe he, she liked the uniform. Maybe he Do you take the uniform. uniform home with you? Uh, well, I don't think you stick it out on the washing line. Who washes it? Um, I don't know. Who washes police uniform? Let's just leave that hanging mm-hmm. until somebody <laughs> yells it through the window. She divorced the policeman. But she didn't get back with Scripps. She moved back to her family home in Mexico. But even after that separation, she remained in touch with Scripps. And she had a daughter and she told Scripps it was her baby. Which he wasn't sure about, but then sort of bought into. I would hope it was her baby. <laughs> His baby. <laughs> oh, both of them. oh, it's mine. I'm just, I promise I didn't steal it. <laughs> after leaving prison again... Scripps changed his name now to John Martin, but I'm just going to keep calling him Scripps because I think it's bad. Scripps. He must have been really, I don't know. It's just the things that draw you to someone, even though you're married to a policeman. What would draw you to cheat with a thief? Like, massive dick. So instead of going back to petty crime, he'd started trafficking drugs, which I'm surprised he only did at this point, really. He's travelling around and he doesn't give a shit about the law. So he's carrying heroin now across borders. Um, do you ever do you, when you're at the airport do you ever play I never that carry game? heroin no <laughs> no do you ever play that game of if I had drugs would I get through how do you mean do you know when you're in the queue and you're like right and there's like Luke and I were in I think it was Thailand and there were two with body scanners and one without and we're like if we had drugs would we get through 
and you start thinking well, and so you try and get to the one that doesn't have a body scan yeah but then i start getting really into it and i start looking really nervous and i think one of these days i'm gonna get taken away and searched for drugs but well, all you need is a I'll snitchy pretend. person in the queue and like these two are talking about how to get past with their drugs what's it called your special yeast <laughs> Calls it that? No, what is the special yeast? What, your vagina scars? No, the one for vegan oh. cheese. <laughs> I thought you were... Right, nutritional yeast. Nutri- Thank you, still sounds like... Um, yeah, so, to be, to be honest, we did get through. We were like, shit, we could have made it. Both of us went through the non-scanner queue. Something to consider. So he did eventually get caught. In 1987, he was arrested at Heathrow for drug possession and he was sentenced for seven years. But again, did his old escape while on home leave trick. Oh my God. Got, rid- got lost again. Um, and then he was rearrested and imprisoned in the Isle of Wight. Do you think this was pre-centralised records where they didn't know that he'd constantly been escaping on home leave? It must have been. Unless it's like a human right to have it regardless. No, they, w- they wouldn't be letting yeah. everyone out with that. Yeah. I don't know. Um... So here he was well-behaved and was eventually given a much-coveted job in the prison. So he became the prison butcher. And um, he was trained up by staff and the other prisoners. who One of them had been a butcher on the outside. And he learned the skills of selecting meat, removing it from the bone, as well as slaughtering animals. So Brilliant thing to teach criminals. Yeah. 1993, he's transferred to a prison in Hertfordshire and he refused parole. Um, but, so he said... He was refused parole, so he went for parole. But then he started saying to um, some of the uh, staff, I don't actually want parole. He's refused parole. No, I want to learn how to burn flesh from the bone. <laughs> well, instead of parole, he was given home leave to um, make up for the fact that he hadn't got parole. So he fucked off again. Just have the parole. You're allowed to fuck off after a certain amount of time. Well, I guess he was like, oh, I don't want to wait, so I'll just go on my next home leave. Um, so to avoid being found this time, he used another inmate's birth certificate to get a passport in his name, and then he fucked off to Mexico, and then he went to Singapore, and then he went to Thailand. And this is where he gets really messed up, and it gets interesting in the grimmest sense. So... Well, he's just completed a course in Dispose of Bodies 101. Yeah. He's prepared. He's going to put that into action. Oh, my God, he is, isn't he? He is. So, Gerald Lowe was a a chemical engineer from Johannesburg in South Africa. And he was in Singapore to shop for electrical products. He actually worked as, um, like, uh, creating beer. Brewer. Yeah. Scripps approached Gerald at the airport um, once he landed. And he said to Gerald... My name's Simon Davis, and asked if he wanted to share a hotel room. Bit weird. Hi, I'm Emma. Do you want to share a room with me? <laughs> Gerald said yes. Oh my god. Uh, so they both checked in to the Riverview Hotel, uh, but the next day only Scripps checked out, and he told the receptionist he'd kick Gerald out once he'd realised he'd um, he was gay, and he'd tried it on with him, and asked her to remove his name from the list of guests. It uh, is amazing how <laughs> how many murders were facilitated by homophobia. Well, I don't think... I think it was an excuse in this case. I don't think he actually was. No, but I mean, like, he was able to get away with yeah. it. The Stephen Port ones, mm. like, people ignored it. There's been so many times where people have seen people acting strangely. Or, like, uh, Dennis Nielsen, for example, when someone went to the police because he said he tried to strangle them. They were like, well, that's obviously a weird gay sex game. Like, yeah. weird gay sex game enabled loads people to get crimes, away yeah. with a lot of stuff just because they were like we don't want to get involved with whatever you're up to absolutely so he also used gerald's credit cards to buy a video recorder speakers some trainers and socks some lottery tickets and get some cash out which i thought was a little bit like if you gave 10 grand to a 15 year old boy <laughs> so two days later march 13th 1995 a pair of legs from the knee down are found floating in a bag off Clifford Pier. Three days after that, some thighs and a torso are found um, in the same place, floating in a bag. Now, Gerald's wife had reported that he was missing. Um, So they've got a missing person and they've got some body parts. So they put them together. But the only way to work out if it's him is the wife had to come over and look at them and confirm it was him. Just from the legs. The legs and things. Sometimes we play that. 
Or would I know your legs? Yeah, would I recognise your arm? Would I recognise your back or something? Maybe I should get a tattoo on each body part. Yeah, I have done that. I'm going to stare at your... I think it was the arm or something. I'm going to stare at your arm for a really long time because if I ever needed to, I want to be able to recognise that arm. (laughs) Spoken like a true crime podcaster. (laughs) So his wife confirmed they were his, uh, but no other parts were found of Gerald. So Scripps now went to Phuket in Thailand. And um, sitting on the flight, he was on the same row as Sheila Demude and her son, Darren. And he got chatting to them and he went along to the hotel with them. I have sat next to people on a flight that I would murder given the opportunity. I had this couple, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but I had this couple next to me. And one of them was just sitting on the chair and another, the girl was like lying across him with her legs pointing so her feet were sticking out right next to me and then they were going the whole time and then they ordered some champagne and a Swarovski pen from Swarovski pen Swarovski I always pen. wondered whoever orders the yeah, stuff yeah well they do and I was like what the fuck it was so infuriating I thought if this crashes and we're the last survivors I'm murdering the fuck out of both of you and eating your bodies. Like, yeah, like you can see the lifeboat in the distance. <laughs> and like, but I'm so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So annoying. So annoying. But again, he obviously was like charming or mm. interesting, something that enabled... I mean, those prison stories do provide a lull, I'm sure. Yeah, wow. Um, so they went to see Nelly's Marina Inn and he got the hotel room which was adjacent to them on the corridor. And... They stayed the night. Sheila and Darren went down for breakfast the next morning. Then they headed back to their room, presumably to pack. And then later, Scripps came down, went to reception, said that they'd left and he would pay for the room. So he also checked out as well. He disappeared. The same day that he checked out and they'd gone for breakfast and disappeared, two skulls were found in a disused tin mine in the area. And then five days after that, a torso and four arms and four legs were found alongside a busy road. But if this is him, he's had one night in a hotel room to make that happen. Yeah. That, I can't be- imagine someone working that night. quickly and cleaning up. Well, it wasn't even the night because went, they went to breakfast. So I mean, if there's ever a reason that you want a late check-in, <laughs> it's that you've got to cut up and dispose of two bodies. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? Unless the- and for them not to scream, there's two of them as well. He can't mm. not murder them both in the same second. Unless they, he just terrified them. Because it's a hotel. It's not like a abandoned not house. Pri- yeah, like there's people all over, cleaners coming. I would be yeah, inclined do- to doubt the story just because of that. But I'm sure he, I'm sure he did it. I mean, you're going to mm. tell me he did it, but that's... Well, he didn't actually get sentenced for these two. But um, I'll tell you the evidence. Or do you think animals or something happened before they found the skulls? But that's the same day. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously this butchering course. I mean, I know I was joking about it, but it sounds like it really was effective. (laughs) So, because it was really hot in Asia, um, the bodies that were found five days later were severely decomposed. But they used the dental records from the skulls to identify that it was Sheila and Darren. And then it's presumed that the body parts, the torso, belonged to Sheila because it was bigger. So Scripps flees to Singapore, but police identify him as a suspect. Um, so only a few days after killing Sheila and Darren, Scripps is arrested at Changi Airport. I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, and he has on him knives, a hammer a stun gun, handcuffs and Gerald's belongings and Sheila and Darren's passports. There you go, he stunned them. Oh, yeah. But how did he get through flipping customs with all that shit? What is a stun gun? Where are you going to hide a stun gun on your body? I thought that was a thing that superheroes had. Do they not scan the baggage? Stun gun's like a taser, isn't it? Does it blast it? (laughs) Like a fireball? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Stun gun. Uh, maybe it just like tells you your son's gay. I'm really surprised. I don't know. <laughs> I got these boots on sale. <laughs> Dear God. So in interview sessions, Scripps um, 
is given a glass of water and he I mean asked, first of all he asked for home leave but they said no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, so he smashes the glass of water and he starts trying to commit suicide uh, by using the glass so they have to take a break um, and treat him in hospital before questioning continues and he's charged um, initially with forging Gerald Lowe's signature presumably to buy more time because at this point they didn't even know that his name was Martin Scripps or um sorry John Scripps or John Martin that he changed it to they had him under Simon Davis so they're obviously buying more time trying to make sure they've got enough evidence and his correct name and then the next day on the 24th of March he's charged with Gerald's murder so he argued on trial that his the murder that he had done it but it was self-defense he said that he'd fallen asleep and he woke up and Gerald had touched his buttocks and he was wearing his underwear so he did the Christian thing and kicked him off. And Gerald got mad when he refused him. Um, and so had thrown the hammer at him and Scripps had taken the hammer and hit Gerald over the head until he died. Which, again, he's using that idea of like, oh, well, I'm not gay. And this sort of fear that people had that a gay person would fancy them is using it against them, which is absolutely ridiculous, obviously. Um, but it doesn't hold together because he invited Gerald to the room. If he's that homophobic, why are you going to be inviting strange men up to your room? And it was his hammer. So when asked what he'd done after killing Gerald, he said he couldn't remember because he'd drunk and taken Valium. So he didn't talk about the fact that he'd cut up the body and disposed of it. The judge considered the evidence. Um, although he was on trial for Gerald's murder only... They did look at the bodies of Sheila and Darren and found that there were quite a lot of the same sort of cuts and it was likely the same person, the same tool. So although he wasn't found guilty for their murder, he was found guilty for Gerald's murder. And he'd fucking signed out of their hotel room the night yeah. before. Like, I'll what? pay. Like, Why else would you pay for a stranger's room? The, the sentence in Singapore for murder was hanging. So initially, Scripps appealed the sentence, but then just a few days before um, the appeal was supposed to go through, he dropped the appeal and he didn't explain it. And before his execution, his mother stated, I brought him into the world. I'm the only person who can take him out of it. Which well, then isn't how it works. Go to hangman school because <laughs> he's going to be killed. By that, I reckon you say, I bought this puppy. I can strangle it if I want. It doesn't quite work like that. And what was she going to do? Shove him back up there. Like, this is the only true circle like the, of life. Like those people. Back who, out the way you came. Like those people who say, have you ever had one of those people around who, if they need to go out the same door they came in? And no. Just, oh, that's the thing. It's like you can only go out the same door you came in. What? As in that that's a superstition? Yeah. Otherwise you get bad luck. Do you, do you know people that say that? Yeah. And we had a really awkward moment in the staff room the other day. Because one of our... One of our staff members is pregnant and about to go and she'd been quite worried um, because another child in the family was seriously ill and she's Aww. been worried that obviously she's going to have a baby soon. And then another staff member piped up and went, well, if you've brought the buggy inside the house, that's bad luck. Oh, fuck off. And I was like, dear God. <laughs> Now's not the time, Jaren. Like, take Jaren. your superstitions Jaren. out of here immediately. Yeah, pipe down, Janet. She was like, I just mean, well, salute magpies, do everything you can. And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> like, what are you saying? Oh, if your baby dies, it's your own fault because buggy's in the house fucking knobhead these are really the sort of questions we need to be asking at interviewers do you have any superstitions and will you tell them to really sad vulnerable people yeah because that is the real true crime just a little side story for you (laughs) so Scripps was the first westerner to be hanged in Singapore and um, there were also another other victims another a number of other victims linked to John Martin Scripps Um, he's suspected of killing financial advisor Timothy McDowell who went on holiday to an island, 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 near Belize, and Scripps had told his uh, wife that he'd gone diving with him, and Timothy had disappeared, money had been withdrawn from his account, and body parts had been found in the area. But they hadn't, they hadn't said they're definitely his body parts, because it had been a bit of time, and also it was a crocodile-infested river. So it probably... It seems safe to assume. Yeah. And then there was also William Shackle, who had gone missing in Cancun, which we know that Scripps was in the area at the time, and money had been 
withdrawn from him. Um, and he may obviously be linked to the death of sex worker Tom Wenger, who was chopped up and drained of blood in San Francisco. So Scripps was actually supposed to be in prison in the UK at that time, but witnesses have described someone who looks very much like him. And he does quite, he's got a bit of an unusual face. He's got a bit of a droopy eye. Just because um, he was in prison at the time makes no difference because half the time he was visiting home. Yeah, he's probably on home leave. Oh, forgot my glasses. Can I just <laughs> go on home visit again? Um, so I think we'll... I've left the oven on. Best <laughs> drop me off. Ridiculous. So a book was written about John Martin Scripps in 1996 called Body Parts, a British serial killer in Singapore. And that was by a reporter who had worked on Scripps' case. But I didn't read it, but you can buy it new. For seven hundred and sixty-eight dollars and thirty-nine cents. What? I will write you a fucking book for that money. There must have been one copy. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you could get it used for twenty-five dollars. I don't understand the difference. Seven hundred. I think it's when they run out of stock on Amazon and they just put the price up to something that no one would ever pay. That's mad. Should use the Patreon money to try and buy it and see what happens. Yeah. They probably print us a copy for that though. I've that got desperate it for it. <laughs> yeah. Gold leaf. Yeah. yeah so that's John Martin Scripps and he was fucking British so and he, he was in Britain loads of the time don't feel bad about that there you go. it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, so I'm going to be delving into the historical archives for this next tale. And it's about a lady called Judith Phillips. Um, yeah, I like that it's a woman. Yeah, she's definitely not a lady, though. No. Um, Judith Phillips and... A lot of the research from this comes from a book called Witchcraft in England, 1558 to 1618. Very specific. Another witch. Thanks to Barbara Rosen. But yes, yeah, so I'm going to give you... It's quite... Uh, so the, a lot of this... Um, the reason we know about this crime is because at the time people were printing pamphlets, mostly. Um, so... And then there's been a lot of stuff come around it. Like a lot of the story would have been passed on orally and um, all made into stories and songs and things like that so there's various different versions and I'll try and give you a bit of background where I can it's funny how orally just means via the mouth but every time you say it to a 15 year old or me or orally au like orally um when I did my music specialism they was like oh yes you need to orally memorize something brilliant I've just met you but okay I know (laughs) 
So, Judith Phillips, she was born sometime in the mid to late 1500s. And she allegedly was first married to a man named Mr. Pope. But for some reason, this marriage wasn't the life that Judith wanted. And it's said that she escaped this marriage by running away with a group of gypsies. That's Um, quite actually romantic, isn't it? Gypsies come through the, the, the village and she's just like fucking take me with you yeah like, all right so in the 16th century um groups of romany gypsies had begun to migrate to western europe around this time and i didn't know this but it, they were known as egyptians which oh. is where this name gypsy comes from because they were called egyptians i didn't know that um but it's thought that they came from a place that they in europe they called little egypt which is now an area of greece so originally uh, when the Egyptians or the Roman Egypties came they were welcomed into towns um, because they brought new things they brought entertainments they had songs they had obviously their palmistry they did lots of things and they were used uh, even the royalty would have them come and entertain Uh, but then things started to change during the reign of Elizabeth I there was a population boom and there were a couple of bad harvests and basically their economy sort of went to shit and a lot of people were turning to vagrancy going around town to town begging so just as we still see today when things go bad for everyone the first people to get blamed are the foreigners yeah basically and they said well if we're all having to beg and whatever it's these people are the problem these are the ones that are moving around well the ones that don't really bother the economy by yeah they were making their own money they'd come and housing. weren't bothering anyone but because there was this sudden <laughs> rise in traveling vagrants they mm. were sort of targeted as a group so in 1530 there was the egyptian act was passed and this outlawed gypsies or groups practicing traditional crafts of palmistry and fortune what? telling well literally illegal that's like just yeah. outlawing a culture sorry none of you thanks so no celebrating Christmas on Christmas Eve, Polish. Not having it anymore. Well, like, you can't just do that. They loved doing that. Christmas was outlawed at one time, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that's true. It was a different time. <laughs> um, so Judith was not herself a Roman gypsy, but she did learn from um, the group of people that she was travelling with the ways of fortune-telling and palmistry, and in her later life would use these to her advantage. So or when- you could just make it up. <laughs> which is basically what it is yeah but you've got to have a bit of the razzle dazzle true you've got to make it seem like it's legit so she eventually settled again and she married a gunsmith called john phillips in london and this would have provided her with a more comfortable and respectable lifestyle but it didn't stop her from pursuing a side income for more devious methods so she became known as a cunning woman Oh, we've seen this before. Yes. So it's not just a character, but it's a proper label used for people who had magical abilities. So um, although fortune telling, palmistry, etc. had been sort of outlawed, up until that point, people had really enjoyed it and there was still a big market for it. People loved it. And there was a lot of superstition and beliefs and they weren't dying out. So cunning folk, as well as predicting the future, were often known for things like helping to find lost things a lot of yeah, the time. They were like the the little helpers of the community, weren't they? Like like a cheap policeman. Yeah, pretty much. If you had a problem, you'd go to a wise person, a cunning person first yeah. and see what they could do about it. Um, so they were often finding lost things, usually lost money. They would provide love spells, healing spells, just basically, like you say, helping the community, doing things that could help people out. So unlike the uh, witches who were persecuted for their use of black magic, cunning folk needed to account for their powers without saying it was magic because that was immediately thought to be coming from the devil. So they would usually say that it'd been bestowed, uh, that they, sorry, They'd say that their skills were passed down from a relative or that they had been gifted to them by angels or fairies, Mm. which were a better power. So Judith claimed that she was in contact with fairies. 
and um, would, would they snicker in response like I did? I don't think they would. A lot of people believed in this. Oh God. Um, she would offer her services in helping forge an acquaintance between her client and the fairy queen who would then help solve whatever problem. So it's not Judith's power. She's not a devil. She's not a witch. She's just bringing the fairy queen to do the job. Is she more or less important than the tooth fairy? She's the ultimate fairy. Oh, so she has got... She's getting the tooth fairy to, like, scrub her teeth. Yeah, the tooth fairy is, like... The, I would imagine the tooth fairy was a pretty shitty job in the fairy kingdom. Mm. It does. It, the kids do get five pounds for their teeth these days. That's ridiculous. Five pounds. Some of my kids do. Yeah, that's disgusting. Like you don't even brush them. Pay. My dad would be really strict. He's like, if it's not nice and clean, if it's got any discolorations on it, you Ooh. don't get paid. So there were many different theories around the spiritual significance of fairies at this time so many people started to to move to the idea that fairies and other spiritual beings were of the devil but judith and many other cunning folk worked on this sort of concept that fairies were amoral like they would be good to you if you were good to them they weren't of either way um and they sort of existed in this other plane of reality there was a popular poem by Edmund Spencer where um it's about a character who goes into this dream world and he dines with the fairies and they actually turn out to be bad but as a lot of people believed in this sort of other world that existed the dream world where the fairies lived and the fairies could transcend between the two mm-hmm. if you have seen or read um Jonathan Strange and Mr Norell I think is the book when I was little, I used to love the flower fairies, but you put them in the oven. Did you ever know that? You, you like colour in a picture of a fairy, put it in the oven. Oh, and it would shrink. Yeah, <laughs> I was obsessed with flower That's fairies. So weird. I didn't think they were real. Putting fairies in the oven. We used to put crisp packets in the oven so they'd shrink. Oh yeah, and the then, key rings. Yeah. Oh my god, can you still do that? I don't know. I don't want to try it because now I actually own this oven. Yeah, <laughs> could someone make a crisp packet key ring and? post a picture for it (laughs) so judith was able to show people how to make contact with the fairy world though some of her methods were bizarre and all of them were complete cons obviously so the most famous case involving judith phillips was published in a pamphlet in 1595 (laughs) and it detailed the case which was titled the bridling, saddling, and riding of a rich churl in Hampshire. Oh, sounds like a Saturday night. Yeah. So the word churl at the time just, I mean, now churlish means like rude or an obstinate peasant sort of thing. But at the time it just meant a man or a husband. So he was called just the churl all the way through because he was not named. It's because you will find out he would have been very embarrassed by this whole account to have been conned in such a way. So Judith had heard about this man and his gullible nature and combined with his wealth, that made him the perfect target for a sting. For a ride-in. Exactly. Bit of pony play. (laughs) So firstly, she began the investigation stage. So she was going to pique this man's interest. She needed to know what was going on in his life. So she began to make some discreet inquiries of his neighbours to ascertain details about his relationship, his wealth and any issues that he might be having. So she found out that he was in the middle of a legal dispute over a piece of land with a Sir William Kingsman. So with this information, she decided that money would obviously be the best way to motivate him. So one evening, Judith slipped unseen into the land of the wealthy churl and under a hollow tree in his back garden, she buried a gold coin and this particular gold coin was called an angel, which obviously helped with the significance Mm. that it was going to be something spiritual and a sixpence. So this angel and sixpence were her own money and then she just returned home. So the next day... Judith went by the churl's house and saw that his wife was sat outside the front of the house. So Judith stopped and just began to stare at the woman intensely. Fuck. I think it can be presumed that as she was in this role of cunning woman, she was probably dressed in a slightly weird way. And the wife was just so weirded out by her that she demanded to know, why are you staring at me? 
So in the pamphlet, um, Judith says, quote, Oh, mistress, you are the fortunest woman I saw this many a day, for in your brows I see good fortune sit. In your eyebrows? Well, I've always got time for an eyebrow compliment. Mm, I think. Yeah, that's a good way to, to muscle in there, I reckon. I think she probably meant forehead. I think it's some kind of aura <laughs> reading. But I like the idea that it's like your brows. They are They've fleek. got good fortune. <laughs> I just had to stop and stare at them. So then she asked if there was a holly tree in the back garden. And when the wife confirmed it, Judith said, if you take me to your husband and his face is as fortunate as yours... (laughs) It's all depending on your husband's face. Definitely depends on seeing your husband's face. You might be rich, for there's treasure hidden in your garden. So um, the wife took her to the husband and she immediately exclaimed that there were signs on his forehead that told her he was involved in a lawsuit with a great man (laughs) and that he would prevail in the suit. Mm. So obviously using her background info. She then said that if he'd go along with her requests, she'd lead him to a great sum of treasure hidden in his grounds. So the man replied that, tell me who you are, where you come from, and show me a demonstration of what you can do and then I'll go along with what you want. She's like, check, check and check. Exactly. It's all falling into place. So Judith gave her name and said that she'd been with the Pope and that she knew more of his mind than any woman in the world. Uh, She then was made to swear an oath on the Bible that she'd come from the Pope. But of course... Which any person at the time, that would actually have been a quite serious thing. People were superstitious, they were religious, it was a huge deal. But she could swear on the Bible in completely clear conscience, knowing that technically she'd come from her ex-husband. Mr. Pope. Mr. Pope, there you go. (laughs) So, now Judith, having satisfied the couple that she was telling the truth, took them out to the tree to reveal the hidden money. Of course, they were absolutely thrilled when the coins that Judith had hidden were revealed. So the man was now eager to have the rest of the treasure and he said that they would do whatever Judith asked to make it happen. (laughs) So firstly, she said, well, there's going to be a slight administration fee of £14. (laughs) I'd be like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) What's this pyramid scheme I'm in? Then she proceeded with her instructions. So, to please the fairy queen... They'd need to hang the finest linen they had in the largest room they had so that the whole room was completely white, just draped with linen. Then they should take five candlesticks and place them around the room and there needed to be a gold coin placed underneath each one. And then finally, he needed to get ready a saddle and a bridle, all of which the couple immediately set to. So now... Knowing she'd got the couple hooked with the thought of great wealth, Judith proceeded to have some fun. So she took the couple into the garden and put the saddle and the bridle onto the husband, climbed on his back (laughs) and rode him like a horse from the linen room to the holly tree three times. And again... No. I can imagine she was just like whooping and whipping. We have to do this. So then she told the couple, right, you need to lie down next to each other, both on your bellies and grovel in front of this tree for three hours. Oh, fuck. While I go into the linen room and meet the fairy queen. And it's very important that you don't move a muscle until I come back from there. Even if you hear a jangling... And a little bit of movement. Nothing. Don't move, you'll piss off the fairy. Then in some accounts, Judith apparently went in, got some of the linen, like sort of dressed herself up in it and went back outside, did a little dance. (laughs) Did a little dance around and came back in so they thought they might have seen the fairy queen. Don't look at her though. (laughs) Don't turn your head. But so then they continued to lie out in the cold. Judith took down all the rest of the best linen took the gold from under all the candlesticks and just buggered off and left them there. So eventually they got sick of waiting. They did wait the full three hours. (laughs) And then when Judith didn't come back, they went inside and found the room stripped bare. Shit. 
So then, in this account, it said that the enraged churl rode to Winchester to tell a family did member... He, did he ride on a horse or was he just like... I'm going to say, just trotting <laughs> along. I've got the saddle. <laughs> Um, he told a family member what happened and together they both went and apprehended Judith Phillips. However, other accounts claim that though she was caught, it wasn't until after another attempt to swindle somebody. So this time her target was a woman known as a tripe wife. Which is basically a widow who then ran a successful business selling tripe. That's very specific. Yeah, There's loads of them. A tripe, I understand, is some kind of sheep or cow stomach. One of the stomachs, a little yeah. bit haggisy, but not like awful, nice. isn't it? Yeah, but like, isn't it a bit of a kick in the teeth to be called a tripe wife when you're no longer a? It's like you're married to the tripe. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> like you've got no husband, you're married to your shit. No, pretty much. Yeah, lovely. So then there are different accounts of this story, mostly because, like I said, literacy skills were low at the time amongst the ordinary folk. And so... It's one like story where it's like, oh, they were all furries. They're really really into dressing up as animals and having sex. Yeah, I would hope that. Um, But so the information either coming from a pamphlet, which would be made... It was like sort of less than a newspaper even. It was made to give people stories that happened of the time, but definitely to entertain with a scandal. And then there were obviously, once this story was around, people would make it into a play, make it into a poem. And then, of course, the scandals exaggerated. So some of the facts had to be gleaned from plays and what they said. So there are two main stories involving the tripe wife. The first story is that... This woman was in need of a new husband because obviously people are slagging her off, calling her tripe wife. <laughs> and she'd been to Judith for help from the fairies. So Judith said, That's fine. And I can reveal who your suitor will be if you follow my instructions. So it's said in one of the texts that she lopped off a love lock. Not quite e harmony, is it? Definitely not, because basically lopping off a love lock meant that she cut some of her pubes. <laughs> um, and it said that it was done in more the... like Tinder then. Yeah. <laughs> it said it was done in the street, that she sort oh, of just there and then. Hold my bag a minute. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then because this was such a ridiculous thing, even for then, the end of this story is that the tripe wife then ends up telling this story at trial and becomes a figure of ridicule and ruin, basically. So I think it's safe to say that that story for the play was exaggerated. So what did she do with the pubes? I think you're supposed to use them in sort of potion. But then the second story about this, which seems a bit more credible, was that Judith went to this woman but tried to use the same tricks she'd used before, where she would sort of find a small amount of money the garden (laughs) but the thing where like if i if you give me a little bit of money then i'll help you get a fortune so her mistake this time was getting greedy she'd already hooked in the woman with saying if you pay me i'll find you a treasure but while she was with her she pulled an old sleight of hand trick that she'd presumably learnt um, where she swapped the tripe wife's full purse for another purse that just contained stones so she would feel the weight the same so obviously the woman she so judith had arranged to go back the following day and help her find her big treasure but the woman had looked in her purse and found she's done me over Mm. so the tripe wife had informed the police and when judith returned to carry out the summoning of the fairy queen she found a constable waiting for her so whether or not it was the churl who went and apprehended her or the tripe wife that went and got the constable, the result is undisputed. And there are records that Judith Phillips was put on trial for theft, not for witchcraft, because, of course, she was just a cunning woman, not that, but she was put on trial for theft, where she was found guilty and she was sentenced to be whipped through the streets of London. Is that it? And then she got to go home. 
Uh, there's other things that say she was held in Newgate Prison as well. Okay. But they definitely wanted the public shaming to sort of well, the prison, match the public yeah. shaming of the other people. Prison wasn't the sentence then, was it? It was they held in prison until they did the sentence. Yeah. Plot twist, maybe the churl and the tripe wife. Churl's wife dies, they get together. She was right on I mean, that. a whipping's pretty horrible because you would have had gashes and yeah, no, I think definitely going to catch an infection. It's not like a... Like a oh. Here's a little bit of a tap on the back there. No, I think it's like a pretty brutal thing. Yeah. experience. I'd like to think they did it. Not I'd like to think, but if they were really going to go for it, they'd put her in the saddle and everything and whip her like a horse, wouldn't they? She's just trying to make her way in the world. There's worse people. And I think she thought, if you're dumb enough to go along with it, then I'm going to make you look like... I think there is one account of the trial where they when said why did you saddle him up and ride him when he was already doing what you wanted and she just and she replied i wanted to see how big of an ass he could actually be (laughs) but i think that's a quip that's put in for a play (laughs) but i'm sure the sentiment's true i enjoyed that so yeah there you go because nobody died no one died all right well thank you for listening um and again if you want to support us you can go to patreon.com forward slash slaughter the podcast don't forget or you can um buy t-shirts on threadless or spreadshirt you can join the facebook group and join in conversations there you can tweet us at slaughter the pod on twitter you can follow us on instagram still posting on there mostly vegan food but there's some other shit um and uh what else can they do just tell a friend. Carry a pigeon. Yeah. Um, smoke signals. Yes. Semaphore. <laughs> I did learn some semaphore whilst at Girls Brigade, so I'm pretty sure I'll get the message. Mm-hmm. Although if you're close enough for me to see your waving flags, you could just yell it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and remember, listening to Slaughter doesn't make you a psycho. Saddling up men and riding them round until the fairy queen arrives. My day. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.